Well, you know, God has a lot to say today, as he does every day. And so I'm pretty excited about uh, what God's given me, and uh, I want to um, be faithful to, to him and, and give it to you in a, in a positive way. Thanks for sitting right here. It's awesome. I get to look at somebody when I preach. Excellent. Um, I promise I won't spit and I won't get any closer. Okay. All right. So, hey, did everybody get one of these when they came in? Good. You're going to want one of these. This is a Bible reading plan uh, for the new year. Uh, this is year two of the Old Testament. Remember, we're reading the Old Testament in three years. This is year two. It says year two right there. This says year one. Okay. This is the one I just got done with. This is the one I'm starting tomorrow. And uh, so good to have like a second second chance here. And then we're reading the New Testament, right, every year for 10 years. And uh, we think that you're basically going to be able to self-counsel and know the truth and go to the truth and uh, do what it says, obey it, uh, because you're going to know it really well. So this is what we've put before our church. I have three things for you today. Are you ready for three things? Okay. Jordan, me and you. Me and you. We're ready. Everybody else is still on the Christmas hangover. All right. And by hangover, I mean that in the best possible light. I realize that that, that equates to drinking. I don't drink at all, so it doesn't really equate to that, to me. Like, I'm not, I'm not thinking that. So sorry if you are. Um, I'm not trying to say that. I have three things. Okay. First thing is the word of the year. How many of you, by, this is your turn to participate in the service. How many of you, by raise of hand, would say, when I say... The word of the year, you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've either had one for this year, or I've had one in the past, or, or, or I've chosen not to, but I do know what you're talking about. All right, go ahead. Put your hand up. Okay, so quite a few of us have, know what the word of the year is and have participated in it. So every year at our church, we encourage people to pick a word for the year. So my word last year was steadfast, Okay. Here's a couple of verses on that, that, you know, I went to Bible Gateway, just print out steadfast. There's 219 times in the Bible. Okay, well, here's the favorite reference. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So it has this consistency to it, Right? That I'm going to show up and do it again, show up and do it again, show up and do it again, right? I'm going to be steadfast. You can't move me off this. And uh, you know what's cool about the word steadfast? You don't know, do you? In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, after the word steadfast, guess what the next word is? Love. Steadfast love. Almost all the time. Not all the time, but almost all the time it's steadfast love. And it's speaking about God's love for you and for me. That's pretty astounding. God, no matter what happens today, God loves you. That's consistent. That's steadfast. Okay? And I've been studying that this year, and I've been trying to act more like that, but but trying to have my own steadfast love a little bit more, and it's not easy. Some other words that I've uh, looked at. Uh, in 2010, I had self-discipline as my word for the year. In 2011, it was faith. In 2012, it was prayer. You're like, why is he telling me this? Anybody thinking that? No? Okay. 
All right. I'm telling you because I thought maybe you would pick one of these or maybe it would jog your memory on the kind of word you would pick. 2013 was joy, 2014 trust, 2015 holy, 2016 rest. Yeah, don't try holy. That's, 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 that was a, that was, yeah. (laughs) The words you pick, you will be tested in. I just want you to know that. Like it will, it can be hard at times, right? Because God's going to refine you in that area. And so this last year was steadfast. And um, I don't even know what my word's going to be for this year. I've been thinking about a lot of different things. Uh, Wait, wait, seek him, draw near. Those are kind of themes that I've been on. Um, Healthy. There's just some words that I've been thinking about. Um, What are you thinking about? Do you have a word? You thinking about something? What was your word for last year? Patience, good. Seek, good. That was good, that was timely. Father, good, awesome. What's that? Courage. Courage, bam. I mean, see, these are good words, right? And it probably should come from the word, although I don't know if healthy's in there. It's one of my, I need to be healthy, but I'm not sure it's in the... It's in there, but it's not said, I don't think. Anyway, number one, word for the year. Word for the year. Do you have one? I'm asking you to consider, to ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to work on this year? What's one area I can focus on? And we try to put these bricks down, and over time, it's not like self-discipline was 2010, and now I'm not self-disciplined at all. I'm trying to carry these things forward, okay? Uh, it's not like one year of rest and now I'm not resting anymore. No, I'm trying to carry these things forward. They're bricks in the mortar of my life now. Um, number one, word of the year. Who's going to do it? All right. Yeah, that's a good response. All right. All right. Thank you. I'm excited for you as I am excited for me. I don't know when God's going to give me my word for the year. It could be this month. could be in a month or two. I don't know. could be today. But I'm asking him. And I'm going to seek it out, and then I'm going to study it, and I'm going to try to apply it to my life. And I hope to see a real significant change, right? More consistent this year than last year, right? All right. Number two, communion. Ushers, we're going to uh, take communion together, and uh, I'm going to get it in your hands, and then I'm going to say a few things. So second thing I want to do today is take communion. What, What better way could we close out 2017 than to be as a fellowship of believers, taking communion together. And uh, so let me get after that um, as they pass out the elements. Uh, Matthew, if you want to turn in your Bible, I know it's awkward because you're like, I got my Bible, I got my elements. I'm like, I'm trying to juggle it all and get it all. Okay, so I understand. Um, and I'm going to try to make it even a little bit harder for you. How, how long do you think I can let you hold the elements? How, how long will it be before it's like, that's enough, I'd like to take them now? How long will it be? Give me, give me a number. Five minutes? Ten? Fifteen? Okay. I, I th- it gets awkward pretty fast. You're like, dude, I really want to study my Bible and not hold these elements, right? But what is this reminding of itself? Right? All right? Let's just remember what this is, right? And sometimes uh, we don't feel the weight of communion because we just kind of pass over it quickly. I don't want to do that. So, um, Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. 
Uh, Mark 14, Luke 22, and John 13 all deal with the Lord's Supper, uh, the Passover, okay? And it's the last time that Jesus is doing Passover with his disciples. He's done it now three times, three years of ministry. And on the third time, he takes the Passover and he says, hey, hold on, this is going to continue on. And it's now going to be called communion or the Lord's Supper. It's going to be called breaking of bread. These are the words we're going to use to describe it. And this is what it represents. And he explains it to them. And I want to get after it today with you. Uh, We'll just start in Matthew 26. Verse 26, chapter 26 of Matthew. Now as they were eating the Passover, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, He broke it and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. So the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ, which was broken for us, okay, beaten, right, literally, buried, right, and then rose again. That's pretty awesome. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, as I hold the cup, you know, sometimes this can be pretty exclusive. It could be like, hey, if you're a member of our church, you could take this. If not, you can't. And uh, we practice open communion, okay? Which means basically, like, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, man, remember, Okay, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the body and the blood. Remember it, right? We want you to do that. Which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I have that highlighted in my Bible because that is so precious. Jesus died not for a few. Jesus died for many. He calls to you, every single one of you, and says, I paid for you. Do you accept it? I paid for you. I paid for your sin. Do you accept it? And as you hold this now, how awkward is it getting, right? As you hold this now, the body, the blood, we remember what Jesus Christ did for us. He says, I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Uh, Really, literally talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we're going to feast with Jesus. It will be the best ever. There's other places in the Bible where this is uh, written as well. I'm going to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I think 1 Corinthians 11 rounds it out just a bit more. And as long as we're feeling the weight of communion, I'd love for us to at least explore this. Um, Paul is addressing many of the divisive things in the church there in Corinthians, in Corinth. And um, the divisions and all this stuff, all that he hears, the problems in the church. And he gets to this point in chapter 11, verse 23, and he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want you, you feel this? Every time you eat, every time you drink, you are remembering what Jesus Christ did for you. How many times a day do you have to eat? Well, you don't have to eat, but how many times do you eat, right? But isn't it cool that God built in a system of you remembering his son came to earth to die for you? Like you can't go without food for too long, right? And you definitely can't go without water for too long. Every time you eat, every time you drink, you're remembering Jesus Christ did this for me. And we come together corporately and we, and we take the elements, not every week, but we take the elements and we're remembering what Jesus did for us. Now there's more here. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. What does it mean to, to eat or drink unworthy? You know, so there's, there's a doing it in a worthy manner, the right way, and there's a doing it in an unworthy manner. I think he's going to go on to explain some of this. Let a person examine himself. So when you come, you don't just come and go, hey, boom, boom, don't, gone, awesome, let's go home, right? You're told, we're told by Paul, let a person examine himself. Who are you judging, right? Who are you examining? Is it you or somebody else? Well, I wish my husband would have. Well, I wish my wife would have. Man, yeah, I know he has a list of sins. Well, I know she, she sinned against me. Is that who we're supposed to be thinking about at communion? Holding this? No, no. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, have you discerned? Is Christ God? Is Jesus God? Do you believe it? If not, don't do it eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Who judges us? God does. And only God. So I can't stand in judgment of you. <laughs> I can't, I can't stand here and judge you, right? But between you and God, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? Do you believe that he died for you, that he paid the penalty for your sin? Have you examined yourself this week, that thought, that word, that action? Now, we don't store them all up until we get to church and we're like, oh yeah, I'll confess all of it. As soon as it becomes real to me, that that thought was wrong and the Holy Spirit's convicting me all the time, right? Like bringing to mind, oh, don't do that, don't go there. He's a good fire alarm if you want to say that. When he convicts me, I repent. This is a symbol of the fact that I've done that all week and now I'm coming and I'm searching my mind and I'm asking God, searching my heart and I'm asking God, God, have I done anything that displeases you? I confess it. Okay, take a second.
So Father, we bring this bread and this cup before you. And we ask, make it real. Make it real to us that your son, Jesus Christ, died. His body was broken for us. That your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, bled and died in our place in victory over our sin and our death so that we might be alive. We're free, we're forgiven, and we celebrate that at the Lord's table today. Thank you, in Jesus' name. His body, broken for us, this do in remembrance of him. In his blood, spilled for us. That's a weight. Thank you, Lord. This too, in remembrance. I think sometimes it's good to feel the weight of what we're really doing with communion, okay? Number one, word for the year. Number two, communion. Number three, it's a big tank over there. How about baptism, all right? Baptism. Now, in order to get after baptism, I mean, how many of you guys have heard me teach on baptism before? Raise your hand if you heard me teach on baptism before. Okay, so this is, is going to be pretty apticlimactic then, huh? All right, so, but God always gives something, right? So, um, I went on vacation this week uh, with my family, right? You're like, where'd you vacation? At home. Uh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> but it was nice to be out of the office. We closed the office between Christmas and New Year's. Um, but I knew I had this message coming up, and I knew I wanted to do some things. And so um, I took a little book home uh, called What? So Important About Baptism. No, hold on. I got it. I don't have the book because I gave it away. Wait, wait for it. Baptism. How Important Is It? There you go. By Henry Morris the third. All right, so I read this book on baptism this week. It's just a little tiny book. You can go get it on Amazon, I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure because I didn't look because I had it, but I think you could. Look something like that. You can't see it. If you want, <laughs> if you want, you can borrow it because the guy I gave it to said he'd bring it back. See, that's how I, I did it. I was like, hey, I can't go into everything this book has to say. It's pretty astounding, but but I said it right here, and I said, hey, you can, you can come borrow it. Not my phone, but the book. You can come borrow it, right? So he took it. He'll bring it back. Next week, it'll be sitting right up here, right? When he brings it back, it'll be sitting right up here. You'll know why it's here, and somebody can come take it. It does no good for this to be on my bookshelf. I'd rather it be read by you so you can understand what baptism is, and then we'll keep recycling, right? If you can't wait, if you're not patient, or if you're like, I'm in a hurry, that's great. I'm glad you're in a hurry to understand baptism. It's a good thing. Then go buy it yourself and read it. And it's just astounding. Linguistic study, like what do the words mean? Where are they used of baptism ordinance versus other things? Okay. Um, the scriptural evidence, the historical evidence of when sprinkling and different things were brought into. I did say the dirty word. Sorry. All right. So something I learned this week because everybody's like sprinkling. 
You must hate sprinkling if you're, if you're a guy that does immersion. Look at all that. You don't need that much water to sprinkle somebody. Like, that's excessive, right? He goes into all of the history of when the church actually started to sprinkle people and when they started to sprinkle babies, which is a pretty normal practice in some churches today. And he goes through all of this, right? What's the authority? Is it the book? Well, the book had a lot of Bible in it, right? It did. It was Greek words and, you know, a lot of good stuff. I learned a lot. I learned that baptism is by immersion. That's in the Bible, right? I learned that baptism is for a believer, right? For a believer, right? Not for a baby that can't have faith or joy or any of those things, right? It's, it's for a believer. Somebody that said, I believe in my heart, I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, then that person should be baptized, right? So all of these things um, are clear in the book, but, but what's clear in the scripture? Because the scripture was here before the book was ever written, right? Yes? And it's the oldest book ever written, right? This is, this is it, right? It's written by the Lord, our God, the Holy Spirit that we studied last week. God wrote a book. He told you a bunch of stuff. This is his truth. Turn over to Matthew. I'm just starting at Matthew. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 starts with the baptism of Jesus. Um, in the Old Testament... They would do these cleansing rites. They would do this thing. If you wanted to be a Jew and uh, convert to Judaism, you would get washed. Okay, it was a ceremony they would do. And that's the origin of baptism. And then when John the Baptist came, he came with a different baptism. What did he come with? He was like, hey, if you're a Jew, you need to repent, right? Like you might think you're special and all that, but you're not. God says, repent of your sin. And so John the Baptist baptized, and one of the persons, one of the people that he baptized was Jesus. And this is the account of it. Here's what it says. Um, Matthew 3, chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, I mean, you're a more popular pre preacher than me, and I need to be baptized by you, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Something had to happen. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Ooh, that's a good question. Did Jesus need to be baptized? So some people say yes, some people say no, right? No, say, be careful, right? He didn't need to be baptized for his sin to wash his sin away, right? He wasn't a sinner. But he needed to be baptized or he wouldn't have been baptized, right? He needed to show John who he was. And he needed to show us what to do. So Jesus needed to be baptized or he wouldn't have done it. Jesus doesn't do anything he doesn't need to do, right? He ordained it, he planned it, he did it, that was it. 
And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and, he, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. What? I want to be there for that. When God says, Jesus is my son, I'm happy with this guy. Case closed, we can go home now, all right? But you weren't there and I wasn't there. So we have the word and we're trusting and believing in the word. All right, flip over to John. This is one of my favorite passages on the baptism of Jesus. John 1, verse 29. This is the day after Jesus was baptized. Okay? John 1, 29. The next day, John, he, saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, Behold! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He like shouts it out, exclamation point. He's like, y'all got to hear this, right? I'm pretty pumped about this. Why? Because I know why I'm here now. You didn't know why you were here before? Well, he's going to explain it. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me. Because he is before me, was before me. And I myself did not know him. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know it was my cousin, Jesus. Right? I didn't know. I didn't know. I myself did not know him. But for this purpose, I came baptizing with water. I was born for this reason. That he might be revealed to Israel. And how exactly would he be revealed, John? Well, he's going to say it. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. It's like he had to say it again. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know it was going to be him. But he who sent me, who sent John? God the... God the Father sent John, right? Probably spoke to him through the Holy Spirit. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. He's like pointing to Jesus going, this is the Son of God. Okay, I need some volunteers. Ethan, would you help me out? Yes, no? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, Ethan. Will you help me? No, okay. Al- Austin, Austin, Luke, come on up. All right, you guys get to help me out. Anybody else want to help me out? Remy, you want to help me out? Come on, come on, help me out. Help me out, help me out. I need three people. I don't know, who wants to be Jesus? Ooh, that's a tough question. Luke, you be Jesus. Okay. All right, here, here. Luke's in the middle, all right? Just, just have that aura about you. Oh. 
All right. You're over here. You're over here. You're over here. Oh. All right. And you're over here. Okay. So, so you're going to be John the Baptist because they're looking at it this way and timelines always start from right to left. Okay. Got it. Okay. So you're going to be John the Baptist. John the Baptist is baptizing for repentance, right? And he's like, y'all need to repent of your sin, right? And then Jesus comes and he baptizes Jesus, who doesn't need to repent of his sin, and the dove sits on him, right? And he's like, that's why I'm here. It's him, right? So, So your baptism, the baptism of John, points to Jesus. So go ahead, give it a point. Just, just, just stay here. Point to Jesus. All right, got it. All right. Jesus was baptized, right? Because he needed to be? Uh, not because of sin, right? Not because of sin. He didn't need to be because of sin. We're going to like take the sin out. Okay, just, just for the second. Jesus. Okay. It's covered by the blood, right? So Jesus was baptized, one, to show John, it's me, right? And to show us what to do, right? What to do. Okay, so keep pointing, man. Keep pointing. John the Baptist never stopped pointing to Jesus. Okay, never stopped. Okay, he's pointing to Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm showing you, right? And, and, and this is Peter, Philip, Paul, all these guys in the Book of Acts that were baptizing people like crazy, right? And it represents us as well. And, and when we get baptized, when we enter the waters of baptism, we're saying, I've, I've been saved inside, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm his. I'm spirit baptized. I'm in, right? But then outside, I'm like trying to like point to him, but I'm like, I'm saved. I'm saved. How do I point to him? Point to him. I'm pointing back to Jesus with my baptism. I'm saying, that's the guy. That's the reason. That's the reason I had to die to myself and live for him. That's, it's him. It's that guy. So you're pointing back to the baptism. You're pointing to the baptism, right? And both of these things are true. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I just wanted you to get the visual picture of what's actually happening on the pages of Scripture, John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus with his baptism. And then the baptism after that in Acts is pointing to Jesus. Is going, yep, that guy, I'm with him, right? And it's an identification with Christ. Flip over to Acts. I went over this with you last week, if you were in 11. Um, he says in Acts 1, Wait here for the promise of the Father. The promise we know since Holy Spirit, our promise last week, is the Holy Spirit. The promise of our Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he says, wait. Wait for it, right? He says, wait for it. And then in chapter 2, at the beginning, boom, the Holy Spirit comes, right? And they start to prophesy and, and, and declare and, and speak in tongues and, and everybody's getting, well, not yet. They're not getting saved yet, right? But they're listening. And they're hearing in their own language. It's a miracle. But what's he saying? What's he saying? Jesus. Jesus is the way. You crucified Jesus. He's, he's, he's laying it down. He's like, you're the problem. 
You're the sinner. You're the one that hung Jesus on the cross. It was all you. And they're like, Boop. okay. They could have picked up stones. They could have threw them. But they listened. And he says, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he gets to verse 36, chapter 2, verse 36 of Acts. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And we know that it wasn't just Israel and Jews that did it. We know that our own sin hung him on the tree. Amen? I mean, you're like, no, not really. I don't want that to be true. But it is true. It is the truth. The Bible tells me it's the truth. My own experience with sin tells me it's the truth. That I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So what happens? So what happens? These guys respond. They respond. Have you ever responded before? Responded to a gospel message? Have you ever responded before? Could I, could I tell you a little bit about my story? I'll draw it up on the whiteboard for you. I say it's my story because it's, it's what happened to me. You probably have your own story. Do you have a story? I put it up top because I feel really important. Isn't that the way we kind of do it? We always put our story above everything else. It's kind of like my experience kind of dictates what happened and uh, how God operates. But, but under here, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put what the Bible describes. You ready? You ready? So this is my story. I'm going to expel it out for you. But, but this is what the Bible describes, okay? It describes this. It describes salvation. You're going to see it in a minute when I read the rest of Acts 2. It describes baptism. And it describes communion. And it describes it in that order. Here's my experience. You have your own? Do you have your own experience? Maybe you were baptized as an infant. Maybe you were baptized in sixth grade like me. Maybe you were baptized as 30 like me. Like, what, you got baptized twice? Yeah, I did. Here's why. When I was a kid, I grew up in church. It was a good church. And uh, I was five years old, okay? And I got saved. Saved. Got that? Saved. Here's the thing. Your parents ever tell you, you got saved? Have your parents ever told you, you got saved? Anybody? No? I'm the only one? Because I'd be like, yeah, maybe I should get saved, blah, blah, blah. And, but my mom was like, oh, no, you got saved when you were five. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, kind of don't remember that. But okay, yeah, I got saved when I was five. And my mom's a great lady. You've all met her. Um, she's amazing. Um, and I'm sure I got saved when I was five. But I want to tell you from experience, it was this. It was easy. I call it easy believism. It's like they hold up the Barbie doll and they put it in the like, gasoline and then they light it. <gasps> you want to burn? No! You know, you're like a five-year-old kid. That didn't really happen. <laughs> but it makes for a good story, right? 
It was like that, right? They try to make you feel like hell is like the worst place ever. You don't want to go there, right? And then they'd be like, and then they'd be like, but you could go to heaven with Jesus and your mom and dad and cupcakes and friends and all that good stuff. And you're like, uh-huh, I want that. Pick that one. Yes. And, and, that's, and that's fine, right? Like, but there was something missing for me. I didn't think I was a sinner. How can you be saved if you don't think you're a sinner? Answer is you can't, okay? Just, just so it's easy believism, okay? I didn't know it at the time. These words I'm adding at the bottom, I had to figure that out later through the Holy Spirit, okay? As he taught me, all right? Then it was sixth grade. Sixth grade, we went to a different church. Guess what? I got baptized. You want to know why I got baptized? The nice pastor came to my house, and he was talking to my family, and he's like, so you guys want to join the church? Great. I'm glad to be here, you know, and he was talking to me like, have you guys been baptized? Yeah, I've been baptized. Oh, Steve hasn't been baptized. I'm like, oh, okay. Steve, you want to get baptized? What are you going to say? The pastor's asking you, your mom and dad are asking you, you want to get baptized? You're like, yep, I'll get baptized. I'm in sixth grade, I'm overweight, I don't even like myself, let alone being in front of people. Sure, let's get baptized. Everybody wants to do that. I wouldn't have had this word then, but I'll tell it to you now. The word is forced. Nobody's holding the gun to my head. That's not what I'm saying. But I felt like in order to please my parents, in order to please this pastor, I needed to do this. Does anybody have a problem with that? Who are we pleasing when we accept Christ? Who are we pleasing when we get baptized? Who are we pleasing when we take communion? One person. God Almighty. Then the day came. The day, right? The day when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The day was January. Do you have a day? January 15th, 1992. And I got saved. Boom! Right? You're like, but you were already saved. Well, that's what people had told me, and that's what I would try to say happened, right? But here's the thing. My story includes pornography. Most of you guys know that. This is the reason I knew I was a sinner. That right there. Thank you, Lord, for sin, because if not for sin, I wouldn't know I needed a Savior. So I'm sure you hate sin. Or maybe you love it. But either way, it is doing a work in your life. It is helping you realize that something's not right with you and that you need something. And so the key here to salvation is repentance. I repented. This is huge. If not this, check this. Right? If you've never repented of your sin... John came preaching, repent. Jesus came preaching, repent. Peter's first message after Pentecost, right? At Pentecost, repent. 
I don't know another message than that in the Bible. Repent, right? The thing I still do, the thing we just did with communion, is repent. It's not a one-time deal. It's ongoing, confessing our sins one to another. Then there was this, January 15th. Imagine that. 2006, okay? I got baptized. By immersion, okay? You know what the cool thing is about this? If sin preceded this, do you want to know what preceded that? Reading the Word. I read the Word. And in reading the Word, I knew what God said. And so simply, I had to obey. I was 30 years old. I was a youth pastor at a church. And I started to think about my story. I was so sure I got saved at 16, January 15th, 1992. I was so sure that that was it. But maybe I was saved before, right? And I started to think about it. I started to um, bring it up in my mind. And I started to think about, I don't even remember the day when I was five. And I started to think about my baptism. I, I didn't want to be baptized. I just felt like I had to be baptized to please my parents and the pastor. Matter of fact, I was mumbling to myself, I don't want to do this, while I was doing it, if I'm going to be honest. Does a believer do that? No. A believer's like, I want to be baptized, right? I want to be baptized. And so I looked at my history, and I went back, and I was like, something needs to happen. I need to be baptized. 14 years, exactly, to the day. Uh, that's only God. 14 years, right? So we're not talking about perfection here, right? Look down at your Bible. Chapter 2 of Acts. Look down at your Bible. What does it say? Verse 38. And Peter said to them, right? So why did he say something to them? When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They heard what? That you are the reason Jesus had to die. The sin is the problem. And I put Jesus on the cross. I crucified him. Whoop! I got a problem on my hands. I'm a murderer. They say to him, brothers, what should we do? I got a problem. I can't solve it. Tell me how to handle it. Say, what should we do? And Peter said to them, repent. There it is. Salvation. And be baptized obedience. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, that's just every pastor's verse for a long message. There's a lot more words than this, right? He said, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000. Now, could you see the order? Repent, 
That's salvation, right? Baptism doesn't save me. But when I repent, the Holy Spirit, we talked about this last week, the Holy Spirit baptizes me. He comes inside of me, right? He indwells, the indwelling Holy Spirit, John 14 through 16, okay? And I have him inside of me. Now, you don't know that until I act like the Holy Spirit, have the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Then you're like, oh, okay, I see it. I see it, yeah. But they didn't want to wait. They wanted to tell people right away, right? So what did they do? Baptism. They're like, I'm with him. Pointing to Jesus, right? I'm with that guy. I am dead to myself, dead to my sin, dead like Christ, right? Raised to new life, raised to be alive in Christ. That's baptism. It's a picture. So do you think we should do that or not? I mean, I don't know. He says, if you want to know what's wrong, if you want to handle your stuff, repent and be baptized. But where's the breaking of bread, right? You're like, where's that? Yeah, the communion. You, you kind of included that there. We already did communion. What's up? Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word, right? To the preaching, and to the doctrine. We're studying that. We'll be back to it next week again. And the fellowship, fellowship, koinonia, the loving one another. We love one another deeply because we're saved and, and we know Jesus Christ. And to the breaking of bread, what's that? Communion, right? We eat together and we remember Christ's death, burial, and resurrection together and the prayers. So do you see the order? Repent, be baptized, and communion. So, This is where it gets dicey. I can try to twist your arm and say, hey, we have water. We don't have it every Sunday. You should get in the tank and be baptized. That's fine. I could do that. I do think everybody who calls the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, should be baptized by immersion. The evidence is in Scripture. And I could say, you need to do that. You need to do it today. Why would you enter another year without doing that? I could start twisting your arm. But I got to tell you something. It took me 14 years. It took reading the word. See, this is nice and pretty. Repent and be baptized. Four words. Boom. That's easy. Woo! But somehow, in our minds, we want to like twist and contort and make that all really hard. Well, I don't know, and I better read, and I don't, I don't know, my pastor told me a different thing, and my, I don't know, but I don't want to offend my parents. My mom goes to this church. She was in the first service, and I said exactly what I said. My mom was the one saying, you got saved, and for all she knew, I was a little kid telling her I got saved, right? And my wife got saved at five. And that's it. Done. So that happens. 
But do you know your own story? Is repentance a part of that story? Is baptism by immersion after repentance a part of that story? And is then coming to the communion table, right? Obedient to God, a part of that story. So now it would have got really awkward, right? If I had you still holding the communion. Where you're like, man, if I'm not baptized, I probably shouldn't take this, huh? I don't want to go that far. Because I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. But I got to tell you, the way I read the scripture, I'm pretty convinced that if you're not baptized as a believer, you probably don't want to be doing communion. Does that make sense? Because the scripture teaches these things and God's love is steadfast for you, right? He's never going to stop loving you. He didn't stop loving me all 14 years of not obeying him. But as soon as I knew, then I was in a battle spiritually. And if you're in that battle spiritually, I would just say to you, submit, right? Submit to God. Don't submit to me. Do not submit to me. Submit to God. If he's wrestling you down, if he's trying to get you in that spot where he's like, boom, obey me, then just obey him. That's kind of how I see it. I just want to obey Christ. And so I've tried to lay it out for you. Three things, the word for the year, communion, and baptism. Am I baptized by immersion after conversion? That's the phrase I want to ask you. Am I baptized by immersion after conversion? I think these are the things the word teaches. Well, I know these are the things the word teaches. <laughs> and I'm convinced of it. And I pray that you are too. All right? All right. Hey, let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the word. It's so clear. And um, I pray where people wouldn't understand it or it wouldn't be clear that um, they would seek your face. Not a pastor not anything else, your word, that they would press into you and seek you. And I pray, Lord, that even those that are getting baptized today would, would trust you in it. And uh, we're grateful, God, for the opportunity to have water in our service, even when it's this cold, the opportunity to have uh, people say that you're good, that you're God, that you're all in all to them. Now, God, I pray for those that maybe are discovering today for the first time that maybe they're out of order. Would you give them grace and love? Would you help them to know sin is the issue, repent, and the word is true, and we need to obey. And God, I pray that over my own life, in other areas. I might have baptism on lockdown, but God, there's other areas in my life where I need you to be really clear. And I want to obey you. God, may today be that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.